Well, merciful and gracious God, you are here, and we are here. Uh, may we be here together, and may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. It's so good to see you. It's good to be back. I missed you guys. And um, good morning to all those uh, watching on YouTube. Welcome. One of our core values at St. Michael's, and we have many, and normally they're in a little uh, bulletin and, and they're in or brochure in a pew, but seeing how we've cleaned all those out, you can't read them. So if you're new to St. Michael's, you may not know this, but one of those core values is that we say that we accept you wherever you are on your journey and we trust God to take you where God wants you in God's timing not ours now the reason we say this this basic premise number two as it is on the list is not so much to just try to be inclusive and inviting although we want to be inclusive and inviting to everyone but it's it's deeper than that because it reflects the very heart of God. It reflects the very heart of God that we see all through Scripture. For example, today in Isaiah, and we know the story, Jesus later quotes Isaiah when he says, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all Republicans. Right? No, no. A house of prayer for all Democrats. No. A house of prayer for all Americans. No, we're all Jamaicans or all Canadians or what? No. He says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. And too often in history, religion, no matter what form it comes in, has too many borders and boundaries and barriers built around it. In, in terms of what you are to do, or how you are to act, what you're supposed to believe, or how you're supposed to feel in order to be accepted by God. And there's these kind of unwritten purity tests that folks often feel that they must pass in order to be accepted by God and therefore others. And the problem with that is that it's not really very good news at all. So we say, we accept you wherever you are on your journey. And we trust that God will take you where God wants you in God's timing. Because that is exactly the way God has received us. God has accepted us, all of us, all over this world, wherever we are on our journey. And he entrusted Jesus to take us where he wanted us. See, that's good news. The world, it seems, has always been hungry for this good news. And I would suspect that now, given what's happening in our world, I think that perhaps the world may be starving for some good news. Because if you think about it, I don't know about you, but I know that I am exhausted by this onslaught of headlines and news cycles of the global pandemic and the sinking economy. And then, uh, believe it or not, there's divisive political rhetoric going on in our country 
country. And it's just overwhelming, and it's not good news, and it doesn't lead to life. See, the good news, the gospel, is that in Jesus Christ, God, out of His great compassion and great love for us, has acted for all people, doing for all people what they simply cannot do for themselves. We name that salvation, reconciliation with God, um, um, and it's all an act of mercy. It's accepting us where we are on our journey and taking us to where God wants us, together with God and together with one another. We call it mercy. Mercy is love that responds to a human need in an unexpected and unmerited, that is, unearned way, undeserved way. The gospel reflects the heart of God, and God's heart, at the foundation of God's heart, is mercy. God's love is actually expressed in mercy. And this is where all our readings take us today. Paul, in his letter uh, to the Romans, he, he paraphrases this. He says, I'm going to paraphrase it. He says, we've all fallen and we can't get up on our own. It's like that commercial. You all remember that commercial? Help, I've fallen. I can't get up on my own, right? And you push the button, right? That's what Paul's saying, right? He's saying that he actually says each one in his own way is a prisoner of disobedience. In other words, through our own thinking, our own ways, thought, words, deeds, the things we do, the things we leave undone, you name it, we've all kind of become prisoner of disobedience. We failed to um, be who we were created to be. We failed to live in this loving relationship. Now, aren't you glad you came to church to hear that today? Yeah, but here's the deal. Paul says, but notice, God allows this. Paul's trying to explain all this. Yes, Yes, the truth is we blow it. And God allows it in order so he can be really mad at us and act like Tony Soprano toward us. No, because he can have mercy on us all, Paul says. As Paul was writing about how the Jews and the Gentiles are going to come together. And he's saying, God has mercy on all. We've all missed it. And yet God allows it because God does it in order to show mercy to all. Mercy expresses the heart of God. Mercy matters to us because we all truly need mercy. We all stand at some point in the need of forgiveness of God's mercy. But mercy also matters in a major way because it is what can heal us and join us together in spite of all our differences. And this is what we see in the gospel this morning. In today's gospel, Jesus and his friends, his disciples, are far from home. They're in a region, the Gentile region of Tyre and Sidon. Sidon. And Jesus and his friends go about their business. This Canaanite woman approaches them and starts shouting to Jesus, 
Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. Now, you know if you have a child that's tormented by a demon or something's troubling your child, you are, as a mama, you're praying for that child. You're hoping and praying that God will have mercy on that child. I remember when my mother called me. I was in the office over there. And she shared with me that she had stage 4 cancer, that it had metastasized. It was in her bones, and she wasn't sure how much longer she had. I came over here, and I knelt here, and my prayer wasn't, God, take the cancer away. My prayer was, Lord, this is my mama, and I ask that you have mercy on her. Have mercy on my mama, Lord, because I love her, and I don't want to see her suffer. And this is the mother coming to Jesus. And she's crying out to God in an act of desperation, an act of total concentration and focus. But there's a problem with this woman. There's a problem with this woman approaching Jesus. First, she's a woman. And no one in that culture, no woman would approach a man. That's a problem. Secondly, though, she was not just a woman. She was a cursed woman from a doomed race. She was a dog, Canaanite. These people worshipped false gods, and they were disgraceful enemies of the Jews. And no Jew would want to have anything to do with a Canaanite. And yet... There she was, this woman who apparently worshipped false gods, was a disgraceful enemy of the Jews. She now looks to the king of the Jews, and she names him Lord, son of David, as the Messiah. And she asks for mercy, and she was tenacious about this. She loves her daughter as much as I love my mama, and she needed help. And she's not afraid to make a scene. And she cries out. And she keeps shouting out. And the disciples go to Jesus and they say, Look, tell her to go away. Get rid of her. Don't let her in the church, Jesus. She's driving us nuts and she's not one of us. Send her away. And Jesus, in this story, seems to be ignoring her. Like, he's like, I'm a Jew, and this is for the Israelites. And this woman looks at him in the eyes, and she says, Lord. She falls to her knees, and she says, Lord, help. Help. You know, that is one of the best prayers that we can pray when it's from the heart, and we don't know what else to pray. Help, Lord. It says if she is saying to Jesus, Lord, you're the God of good news. You're the Messiah. You're bringing good news to the Jews. You're bringing this healing to the Jews and all of that. Where's my good news? Where's my good news? When will all your goodness be good enough for me and my daughter? You ever felt like that? Like that woman? I, I've heard the story, Jesus, but you know what? 
I know I'm not a Christian, and I know that I don't go to church, and if I do, I'm afraid lightning's going to strike or whatever, but you know, I need some good news. When will your goodness, Jesus, be good enough for me? Be good enough for my child. See, this socially marginalized woman crossed the boundaries of ethnicity, of race, of religion, of gender, of culture, of politics. And she claimed God's mercy and compassion and healing for our daughter, for her daughter. And this is important for us because here's the deal, folks. We were all kind of like the Canaanites. We were just like her. And because of this, this opens up the good news, the gospel of God's redeeming love to all people, including you and me. It didn't matter that the woman was an outsider. It didn't matter that her origins or her beliefs made her unclean and untouchable because she basically entrusted herself to the mercy of God. She cried out for mercy, and she entrusted herself to him. Her desperation and her faith, and that is she, her trust, moved Jesus to respond with mercy, revealing the truth that she and her daughter of great value in the eyes of God. And this is the reality for you and for me and for all people, even those who are not Episcopalians, believe it or not, even those who don't vote like you do, for all the world, God, we are created in His image and we have great value because mercy isn't based on human tradition or nor is it limited to a worthiness contest because the truth is, if I had to be worthy of mercy, then it wouldn't be mercy, would it? It would be something else. Mercy begins by opening oneself up to those with whom we strongly differ or disagree. Isn't that interesting? Here's this Canaanite, this outsider, this lady that worshiped pagan gods, that was a disgraceful enemy of the Jews, an outsider, different and disagrees, and there she is with Jesus. And mercy happens there. Greg just told us a story in the sacristy this past Friday. He was on his way to work, and he looks out of his car, and he sees something in the middle of the street. And he's like, oh, no. Ugh, I think that might be a cat. And he's like, oh, I'm just going to drive past it, right? And, but it moved again. And he's like, uh-oh. He's like, uh. So he gets out, and sure enough, it's a little cat that's about a week old. And it's crying out for mercy. And Greg's not the greatest cat lover in the world. We're working on him. But, right? And he says he brings it to the office, and it's crying out for mercy. And, of course, he calls Dr. John on his day off and has him come over. But the point is, that's where mercy begins. When it's different. When it's something that we don't pay attention to, that we don't like. Just like that little cat is going, meow, meow. That's what we are. We're all crying out 
for mercy. And God's mercy is based on something much bigger than any human construct that we can come up with. It's based on the nature of, and the very nature of God. God's one-way love. And with God, God's mercy has absolutely no boundaries. So what do you do when you are truly at the end of your rope, when there's no bootstraps to pull yourself up, what do you do then? What do you do? What do you do when it seems that God may be ignoring you? What do you do when you're not on the inside club? What do you do? Well, when the chips are down and we're at life's dead ends, our hope in life and death and beyond death is in God, in God's mercy. God's mercy is not dependent upon our love and fidelity. Paul reminds us in our reading today that God's callings and gifts are irrevocable. God put this in motion. And though we sometimes fail to keep our promises to God, God never fails to keep God's promises that God has made to us. And this is some good news that we all need to hear. So despite what's going down in our lives and in our world, despite where you are right now, God is a God of mercy. Karl Barth, one of the 20th century's greatest theologians, was preaching a sermon at a prison, and he said these words. He says, we must start with the fact that God had mercy and will have mercy on all, that his will and work are determined and governed by compassion. God proved this. God proved that he's a merciful God. Uh, in Jesus Christ, not just by words, but by His very actions. God gave God's self to us in His Son who became our brother and our friend. And this mighty deed, and though it, it's, it's, it's the Word of God, right? That, this is the mighty deed, and, the, and through it, God's mercy has been spoken for eternity to all of us. And when we look at Jesus, we see the invisible, excuse me, the visible embodiment of God's mercy. Jesus essentially says this to us, just like the father and the prodigal son story. I will love you no matter what. There is absolutely nothing that you can do that will keep me from loving you. It's not based on whether you deserve it or earned it or worthy of it or any of that. I love you because you are. Jesus is saying, I love you always. I will sustain you and walk beside you. I will never let you go. I will bring you home to myself. This is the gospel. It's a gospel of mercy. And as Christians, we are all bearers of that mercy. We are all recipients of that mercy, and yet we're also agents of that mercy. St. Michael's um, has been profoundly merciful as a congregation 
to not only those who gather here on Sundays, but during this pandemic through outside those doors and around here. We've been agents of God's mercy in, in ways that we've never been before, touching hundreds and thousands of people over the last few months with the mercy of God. And nothing that they did that earned it or deserved it simply because they were created in the image of God. We've responded, and I want to say thank you. Because in every situation, no matter how terrible or seemingly hopeless it may be, we are those people who are called to hold out that life-giving, death-defying, world-changing promise of the gospel, of God's mercy, the promise that is good, that a good and loving God is now leaning towards us with love, with mercy, with justice and healing. This is who we are. And the promise that God's saving, reconciling, liberating power is available for all people in all places and all times. You're loved with a love that you didn't earn and therefore you can never lose. This is the reality of God's love for us. And we accept you wherever you are on your journey. We trust that God will take you where God wants you in God's timing. We want this to be a community of mercy. For the Lord knows we all stand in the need of mercy. Amen.